Hello, everyone, and welcome to Show Hoppers. This week we are covering The Leftovers, Season 1, Episode 5, Gladys. As always, we will have spoilers for that episode, as well as all prior episodes of The Leftovers. And episodes 1 through 5 of Season 1 of Lost, well, they might come up as well. I am Mr. Sal, and I'm here with... My Kirk? Kirk, oh, how are I- you? <laughs> <laughs> intro, I thought you were quiet. You cut out for me there. You got a little uh, laggy for me, so I was thought. <laughs> Kurt, I'm <laughs> sorry I did that. Now you should apologize too. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and nice try. Okay. Anyway, how you doing today, Kurt? I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty excited. We're gonna do this, then we're gonna, you know, and then later in the week we get to record our Lost podcast and release that because that's the way we do it. We record this first, and then the Lost one. Of course it is. Why? Why would it be anything else? Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you want to explain the new segment that'll be at the end of the episode oh i would love to explain our housekeeping the, segment right now yes so uh to, today this will not be an every week segment but for this week we felt it would be really good to look at a little bit of the crossover between lost and the leftovers in the segment that we're going to call lost in the leftovers huh? <laughs> what do you think of that uh, so at the end of this episode, we are going to look at uh, a comparison between two characters specifically. Uh, we're going to look at a comparison between Reverend Matt Jameson and John Locke from Lost. At the end of our episode that covers Lost, episode five, we are going to compare Kevin Garvey with Jack Shepard. So look forward to that at the end of these episodes. Yeah. Any other housekeeping there, Kurt? I'm trying to think. Uh don't think so yeah they're pretty good if you want to stick around for that okay before we get into the episode proper i need to ask you this question did you recognize gladys yes i she she's the she's the lady that unfortunately passed away right that's gladys yeah okay okay i so that that's that's where before we started recording i told i i was i almost showed my anger when so last episode, you said GLaDOS. I thought of GLaDOS, which is like this evil AI in some video game portal. Like, oh, GLaDOS, whatever. I don't know. That's that's what my mind was on. Completely forgot the character named Gladys in this TV series. And so I remember like going into going starting to watch this episode. I was like, oh, okay, oh, there's. I remembered her name, GLaDOS. I'm like, oh, there's GLaDOS. And then oh, dang that. You know what a shame that happened to her. And then by the end of the episode, I was like. I don't know how, where's GLaDOS in there, though? I, you know, I don't understand oh, where that is. God. I was so confused. And then I looked back, I'm like, oh, it's Gladys. I'm just, I'm just an idiot. Because <laughs> I was like, it's something with Gladys, surely. But why is GLaDOS? I don't know why there's an O in it, because her name's Gladys. But no, there's mm-hmm. just, I just, the whole time. But anyway, the title of the episode, I mean, it's, I, I mean, it's a standard title. Something special about it. Right. But. This one's pretty, just pretty standard. Gladys, she's the central uh, her death is the central event of the episode, so <laughs> I think it's it's fine. I, it's not like anything clever or anything like that, but I think it's fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Certainly. But my question was, did you recognize her? Did you recognize the actress? The act? No, I don't recognize the actress. Really? Because this is not the only show in which we have seen her meet an untimely end this year. So I can only think back. She in like Better Call Saul or something? Or Better Call Saul, Ozark. Oh, she, oh, she, is she the? Is she the? What, what's the? Is she the therapist? No, she, she was the casino owner, the big muddy casino. Oh my god, she's the big muddy casino. But she that was in 
that was in I guess was, this, this is <laughs> spoiler warnings for Ozark please yep. <laughs> <laughs> bit late, but yeah, skip like a few minutes. Said, wasn't that not the latest season that came out this year, but the one prior? Yes, it was. It, it was? was. Oh, that's when season three. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh. the owner of the big muddy casino, who also <laughs> met untimely, and but, uh, oh yeah, well, I, you know the way you said that made me think the leftovers came out this year, but no, it's from like twenty fourteen. No. But still, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah do, you, do you remember her death? On Ozark? No, I don't remember her death. <laughs> really? No. That's why I'm thinking season three, because I'm like, I don't remember how she died. Yeah, I really apologize to listeners for spoiling <laughs> uh, that bit of Ozark. It's not incredibly crucial, but it is a little bit shocking. And you might want to skip ahead just 30 seconds or so. Oh, yeah, because they, they try buying... Yeah, well, I already gave them the skip warning. If you're hearing this, keep skipping. <laughs> So this is, she was going for a stroll with her husband and just started ripping on him and just like yes, let me see if I can remember it right. The uh, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember anyone's names now. The the Marty Marty's wife. I forgot her name. Wendy. Now, Wendy. They go. Wendy was really trying to push to buy this casino. Yes. And the wife didn't want to sell, but the husband did. Or yes, yes. And then she's like kind of controlling him. And I'm trying to. They just like pushed her off. I forgot how she died. Did she just get like shoved off? Or oh, he's she just was like getting in his face. I should have married your brother. He's taller. Like, yeah. And then he just like swatted at her and she knocked her like down a hill. Yes. Just... Okay. <laughs> now I hear. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay, we can get back to the leftovers now. Okay. Okay. That Hopefully be... that's not. <laughs> Followed that white rabbit too far down that rabbit hole. Anyway. Oh yeah, certainly. But <laughs> what a shame. So, so glad the opening scene of this episode, though, uh, we're we're back on the leftovers here, is not Gladys's death, right? The, mm-hmm. the very first scene. I don't know if you remember this. Gladys, oh, I do. you do remember? Oh yeah, it, it's her sitting in that office. Yep. Or with... sitting in the chair, probably Patty on the other end. Right? Yep, it was yeah. Patty. It was Patty. Okay. And then she's sitting there, and then she's out on the town with... I don't actually know who the other initiate is. I don't really... I didn't really remember them all that well. But another GR member, a Guilty Remnant member. And they're going around. They're painting newspapers, uh, signs, uh, saw a man collapse from what I thought was maybe a heart attack or something, but but didn't care. And uh, roaming the town at night. I want to go back, though, quickly to that scene right in the very beginning where she's in the office with patty and all that we all that happens in that scene is gladys nods at patty mm-hmm. right yeah yeah okay that's it just a nod but they made it a point to show us that nod huh yeah so they talked about like i don't think it's going too far ahead they talked about the possibility of during that town hall meeting later in the episode of like, what if they did this to their own? Right. Yeah. I, and I think that throughout our discussion here, we need to always be thinking of who it was that killed her. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because there are several very substantial suspects, Mm -hmm. all of whom are pretty good, but this is one piece of evidence in the column of the guilty remnant did this themselves. I, I, I think a good counter argument I'm just going to put out there though, is 
you know, we saw her out there painting the white or the night or newspaper stand. There we go. White. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe that's what they nodded about. Just a simple, you got to go out. We got white oh, paint. Absolutely. Go paint that. So it could have been something, you know, it doesn't have to be uh, this diabolical plan, but it could be. So Yeah, so, exactly. So yeah. I just wanted to call attention to it because I think it's really, I think it's really interesting in this episode how many suspects they set up as being very possible. And this is one of the things that we'll talk about later when we get to the that bit because i do want to talk about that in, in in detail but at any rate here we here we go so you're you're right they don't help the guy who collapsed and then they're at this gas station the person she's with goes to use the restroom and gladys gets taken from behind just her mouth covered dragged into the woods strapped duct taped to a tree and brutally Dude, oh. to death. This was a tough scene to watch. It, I I was eating and I was like, oh my god! I was not like I was. There are certain TV shows I will watch or movies and stuff where like I'll like, I'm not gonna eat during this. Cause this sounds like this is just the type of thing I don't want to eat during. I was yeah. like, yeah, you know, it's a leftover. It's not just been anything too, nothing gruesome. Oh, sure, I can, you know. But I saw that. I was like, whoa, that's <laughs> it was that that was really gruesome, really quick. Oh, it it is so hard to watch. And something that I found really eerie about that scene is that the killers don't say anything. Yeah, I was thinking how ironic it is. Because even Gladys, she starts to kind of, she starts to plead. She actually yes. does break her silence. And that, that was even more, like, saddening. And like, oh, she broke her She's so, you know. I didn't think they were going to kill her at first. Yeah. You know, I thought uh, maybe they are just going to, like, you know, scare her, rough her up. But but they just, and they didn't say a word to her, too. Yeah, that, that, that's said the scarier nothing. part. And she, but she did, you're right. She said, please don't, right? So this is, it was such an eerie role reversal. The, we're used to seeing the guilty remnant troll people and intimidate people by not talking. And then here is this member of the guilty remnant being intimidated by mm. people who aren't talking. Yeah, oh yeah. It, it's, it's eerie, it's a role. And actually role reversals are something that, are somewhat of a theme in this episode and we'll point them out as they come up. But that was something that struck me immediately when I watched this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly an attention grabber and they did it on purpose. Yep. It really grabs your attention. Well, uh, now we see Patty banging pots and pans, getting the rest of the, uh, get your remnant members to wake up so that they can organize the search party, which is another incredibly eerie sight. Just seeing all these people dressed in white with flashlights walking through this dark forest. Oh yeah, what a squad! Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and we see Lori having a, a. She's the one who comes across Gladys, right? Mm-hmm. And has has a particularly negative reaction to seeing her. Yeah. And somehow. The mystery man is there. Exactly. So the second, I'll say this, the second I saw the mystery man, I thought, this is a dream. This is all fake. None of this actually happened. I'm like, this is one of those. Because I was like, that's so gruesome. No way it happened. And then, and then, uh, what's it? Kevin actually wakes up. And I was like, it was a dream. Oh my yep. God. It was, I, I, I was convinced. I'm like, it was a dream. Yep. And I was kind of mad that it was a dream. I'm like, what? What terrible thing for them to do! That was like, ah, oh, I really, I, I didn't like that trade that much. I don't know if that was the yes. same 
but then it was it wasn't a dream okay so it wasn't a dream it actually happened but th- i think that is the intention that as soon as you see the mystery man you're thinking all right this is inside kevin's head where this is not an actual happening but now that we know that it did actually happen does that mean that the mystery man is real i think this is pretty concrete evidence that the mystery man is in real they they do a little nod skipping a very small amount ahead when the the mystery man's a lot in this episode he he shows up a lot publicly and whenever whenever he's around they really make a note to show the listener that hey the mystery man's here and yep. we're trying like it's kind of like they they put the wool over our eyes and now they're like trying to get our trust back because every yep. time he's around they're like hey he's real we meet it this guy's actually real because when he was when he was talking uh when kevin walked over to talk to him some man walked by and was like hey d or something and he said like hey back like they made a point of just someone recognizing him and talking to him individually just to yep. just to show the viewer like hey no he's real we're we're telling you he's real but I still I you know I'm questionable about whether he's real and I that's the whole <laughs> point right is I think they they know what they've done they, this is I I always say this stuff but they've literally got gone into our heads rent free the writers oh. here they, I I question whether he's real but they keep showing me how he's real absolutely yeah it, it's amazing that they can still they can pull that off too that you have your you're second guessing yourself yeah. Yeah, it's I love it. It's great. It's great. Yeah. By the way, I didn't ask you what did you think of this episode. Oh yeah, we. we <laughs> this is maybe. It's a great. I, I'd give this a nine out of ten. This might be this best episode yet. I think that I that is high praise from someone whose average uh, rating is a five. So. Yes. Yes. On the curve scale, five five is like the bare minimum right there. Five, I'll probably keep watching, but if it's always a five, I'll probably stop. But this yeah. this is a great episode. I was Good. hooked. Very great. I, now that's interesting because no, I also downsides. gave it a nine. But that's so, on the Sal scale. That's not as good. It's on the Sal scale, yeah. yeah. I, I love this episode. And and really I had forgotten how much I love this episode and how how important really it is to the series. And I think this does kind of represent a turning point in the in the series season and the whole series for that matter. So let's let's talk a little bit more about Kevin, he's he's woken up. He, he he may have had a dream. We don't know, but he wakes up and his his white shirts are missing. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that the color of the shirts that he's missing is white. Man, I didn't think about that. Yeah, <laughs> you're always reading the next level. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is my third watch through the leftovers too. Right. So don't go. don't feel too bad. But Not even in Lost, Ah. Anyway, but I, I think that it's intentional that the shirts are white. It can make sense. Okay. <laughs> so he's missing his white shirts. Uh, the the guilty remnant, of course, wears all white, and now one of them is dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he goes out into the hallway, and Amy greets him. And what is she wearing? Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that scene. This is, I mean, this 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 is like some kind of negligee. You couldn't even get this at like Victoria's Secret. You'd have to go to like Fredericks of Hollywood or something to get this thing. <laughs> what is she wearing in this I mean, house? I mean, it's just her like she just sleeps in it. I don't know. I mean, just what she sleeps in. But I, I really I don't understand why she just she, she's like part of the family to me. I don't know. She's just, oh, yeah. <laughs> she's just family member. Just part of the family. Yeah. But I I mean. Do you, 
are, I ask you this every week. Do yeah. you think you're sleeping together? I mean, I question every time, but I've yet to see like the real hard-hitting evidence. I know. That's, that's what but... I always want to see. I I don't. I if you made me had to gamble money, I'd say no. But, okay, but that's like but a tentative. Like, is is it? Are you saying no because you really believe that, or are you saying no because that's what you want to believe? And maybe it's just what I want to believe. I I, I want so badly. For them not to be sleeping together, because I think that would really cheapen Kevin's character. But anyway, this this is something that I love about the show is they always give you evidence both ways. So just like to write the fence, you can't prove it one way or another or disprove it. It's it's wonderful. Anyway, uh, they they make a big deal throughout the whole episode about this security alarm. Yes, I wanted to ask you about that. Just yeah. constantly about the security alarm. Well, I, I think that you can probably understand why Kevin wants the, the security alarm armed. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's he's getting more and more paranoid every day. He's paranoid about the guilty remnant. He's paranoid about this mystery man. He's paranoid about deer in his kitchen. I mean, he's he's just getting more and more paranoid. So you can see why he, he would want the alarm armed. Uh, but it also is, is going to give us it could give us hints as to whether or not Kevin has been out doing stuff. We know that the alarm was not armed that night, which means that if Kevin left the house, it would not have woken up Jill. Huh. I, I know I, I was questioning. So yeah, he's like, Oh, why is the, why is the alarm not armed? Why is the alarm not armed? And I, I, I figured maybe Jill snuck out. Maybe like some, maybe like, I don't know. I, I hadn't seen the alarm system before, so I just figured it was new, like, just between episodes, because there's usually, like, a small time jump between yep. stuff, so I was like, maybe he just got installed, or maybe just never hit on it, and now that he's getting more paranoid because of the recent attack, he's really heightened up on security. Yep. And, so one thought was also maybe, like, Lori, like, snuck in the house or something, or, like, oh. yeah, I, I thought Lori, maybe. But yeah. I never, I never questioned it was Jack getting, like, drunk or inebriated or in some way snuck out because he didn't did you just call kevin jack oh i i, I no <laughs> kevin <laughs> i didn't kevin got for, for uh, more on similarities between kevin and jack listen to our episode on lost coming out yeah coming, coming out, out thursday <laughs> unless you live in 10 years in the future 2030 <laughs> there president mcdonald's there and you can watch it already <laughs> remembered. i i'm surprised you remembered I will always remember, and I will always bring it up whenever given the opportunity. Okay. Well, anyway, I, I wanted to point out the alarm because as potential suspects come up, I want to point out evidence for maybe against these suspects. And, and this idea that the alarm was not armed and therefore Kevin could have come and gone as he pleased without waking anybody up in the house is something that leads you to believe that so there's a possibility and there's a non-zero chance that Kevin is the one who orchestrated this stoning. I mean, all right, here's all I'll say, right? I will be very mad if he orchestrated the stoning. Just because it goes, it goes so much against him. And, like, how would he... Like, he has to get these people to help him. I mean, or maybe, like... I'd be okay if he was just part of it. But if he's the one that orchestrated it, I don't know about that. Because like, I haven't met any people around him. Maybe it would be other cops, I guess, because some of the cops really do dislike the guilty remnant and people in law enforcement. We see, like, yep. later the agent and whatnot. Uh, so 
I guess, maybe. But by the way he acts the entire episode towards the Guilty Remnant and uh, the idea of, like, he's trying to help them constantly. when He's standing up for them when no one else will. Yep. And he'll 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 be the unpopular guy. Like it, it's pretty easy favor, just to say, yeah, hate the guilty remnant. Let's go after them, or let's not protect but, them. But does he have motive? And does he have opportunity? I mean, the the fact the alarm was not armed is showing us that he had opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think we pretty clearly know that he has motive to hate the guilty remnant. Oh yeah, I, yeah it. If you were a detective looking at the case, he, he would he could be a suspect. I just don't think it's like the viewer. I, I I would be shocked and sad to know if he did it. Okay. So, All right. Well, we'll keep that in mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Patty uh, goes to Kevin. Mm-hmm. I mean, she knocks on his door, which yeah. is pretty shocking. Uh-huh. There's Patty. He opens the door. There's Patty. Uh, and she asks, she, she's the one who informs him about this, this death, recruits him to bring him, bring him in, or recruits him to, to, uh, to, to bring his team over and, and check out the scene. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So somehow they go into the woods, they're, they're there, they're looking and there's, there's the mystery man on this log. And Kevin's like, what are you doing here? And it's, the, the, guy, the guy says, well, you'd know if you didn't blow me off all the time. <laughs> right. And that's when what you said, the, the forest ranger, whoever he is, uh, goes through and, and uh, is, says, hey, Dean. Okay. Dean, the, oh, okay. The, the guy's name is Dean. Dean. Okay, so oh, Mr. Wait, Man me... has an official name now. and His name is Dean. And by the way, the mystery man is wearing a black jacket that looks almost this, exactly the same as the ones the killers were wearing. I'm trying. I remember they were dressed in black, which I also thought was. I mean, they're also at night trying to do something sneaky, so dressing in black. You don't want to dress in white, but it's just like a, you know, a polar opposite. Be able to dress in white. They dressed in black. Yep. In there, but now, yeah, I, I questioned if he was part of it, but I was like, that's too obvious. But is it too obvious? This is the mystery man, after all. He shoots dogs for what I think for a living. And Kevin has dreamed about him hunting the guilty remnant as well, mm, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. And so, I, you know, I, as I said, we're, we're just I, I want to point out evidence for and maybe against each suspect. So, to me, Dean is a suspect here, certainly. I think he would be like top tier suspect. Okay, all right. If you're like looking at this as a detective or something, just he was there, seen by the guilty remnant looking for their people. It's not like he went to help them look. He was like already there. Yeah, and now Kevin asks Patty for a favor. Can I need I need you off the streets? And Patty starts writing, and Patty's and Kevin says, "Yeah, I know what you're gonna say." And Patty shows him this. Of course, Patty is going to cooperate with Kevin, which is—I mean—the role reversals here are crazy. Yeah. Like, oh, definitely. Patty is going to cooperate with Kevin. Um, another role reversal. I think we skipped over this scene. Meg and Laurie are on the porch. Meg's still talking at this point. 
Uh, and she says, well, you know, it was only a matter of time. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she says that she's not scared. She's kind of, she, and she lights up a cigarette, mm-hmm. which have we seen Meg smoke yet? No, that's what I was wondering. I saw she, they kept showing her with the cigarette in this episode. Uh, yeah. So I wonder uh, now she's, be, I mean, at the end, she really embraces oh, yeah. it, but yep. yeah, I, I hadn't seen her really smoking that much prior to this episode. So I think so they made she, a point to show it. She says it's only a matter. It was only a matter of time. She lights up a cigarette. She says she's not scared. And Lori has a panic attack. Yes. So we see this role reversal because up to this point, you know, Lori has been seemingly very committed to this. Uh, and Meg was on the fence. We see Meg drifting a lot more toward commitment to the guilty remnant. Meanwhile, Lori's having a panic attack over this. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. why do you think Lori has a panic attack here? Well, uh, from what we saw, she seemed to know Gladys pretty well. They, yeah, uh, they were the ones that recruited Meg, right? Them too. Right. And they, they always, we saw a lot of scenes of them together. So what, what I can assume, and then later in the episode when, um, uh, Lori's with Patty, uh, Patty seems to see it in Lori as well that she really likes, or she just had a connection with Gladys, and she, you know, it's kind of like a grief, and she's stressed out because. Well, they've just attacked one guilty remnant, someone very close to me, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, someone else could be next. And the guilty remnant, based on what Patty says, is they're not really supposed to feel anymore. And I don't I don't think Lori has, has high marks in that department. Because even prior to this episode, we saw uh, Jill's gift. She goes back for it. She yep. sits outside her family's house. The, the backyard looking in you know she's she she definitely still cares about her family or she thinks about them a lot yeah she doesn't so that, forget them that's a definite possibility she's having a panic attack because she looks at this and says oh my god this could be me and i could i you know i could lose my family mm-hmm. right? Do you, would you agree with that yeah yeah, yeah. But is, there, is there another are you, are you gonna hit me with a different viewpoint here sure why not <laughs> so, <laughs> do you think there may be some guilt in this guilty remnant do you think that maybe she sees this and she and that she was complicit in it somehow? That maybe she did it? Oh, like, okay, so we we're going back to the beginning of this podcast and we were discussing the nod of maybe, yep. and we talked about Town Hall briefly, you know, they bring it up, that what if they did it on their own as some yep. sort of master wacky plan with, or some sort of sympathy plan or, you know, whatever. That yeah. end game is here. That I mean, that's that that's a that's a true. That's that's very true. That I mean, like, if, if she Lori... would be very guilty about it if she's the one that you know yeah. threw the stone or one I mean, of the people that threw a stone. Certainly, if Lori was involved in this, and she's she's facing the possibility of being caught. I could see her having a panic attack because of that. Certainly, I think that I think yeah, I didn't think about that, but that's I mean that's a really good point, and I think. Could be the case. Oh, yeah. I want to. I want to ask. Okay. Do we ever figure out who did this attack? Yes. Okay. Huh. You you will figure that out. Um, it's not immediate though. I I, I didn't plan on that's fine. Okay. Yeah, you're gonna figure it out. You will going. you will figure it out. Uh, okay. So, uh, anything else you want to say about the guilty remnant or the manhunt? But I guess not manhunt, but the search party. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to Kevin going to Jill's classroom. Uh, no, no. Okay. So in the next scene, 
Kevin shows up in Jill's classroom and Jill immediately starts crying as soon as she sees Kevin. Mm-hmm. Now, I should back up here because we first see Jill running her hand through Bunsen burner flames. Yeah, well, I think that's just, I mean, kids, I mean, just doing something stupid. Is, is that what it is? It's just kids doing something stupid? Because Jill's done a lot of stupid stuff. Well, because Amy's like, that's as close as you could get. It's like a. Uh, it's like putting um hand sanitizer in your mouth or something. You know, it's just oh God, something stupid. I haven't done that, but you know. I hope not. <laughs> don't, folks, don't hear, do that. I hear, I hear it numbs your tongue. <laughs> okay, yeah, don't don't do that, anybody. But the, I guess I viewed that a little bit differently. The way I viewed it was that all of this, really, you know, the stealing of the baby Jesus, uh, flame, uh, putting your hand through the Bunsen burner flame. It's just Jill trying to feel something. It's not the way that she normally feels because the way that she normally feels is just too unbearable for her. Feels, yeah, some sort of emptiness. Okay. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, certainly, certainly can be the case. And, you know, Jill does not have a, she doesn't have the best, like, home life and whatnot. And yeah. She's well, really stressed about it. She, she, she's not, she's not a very happy person. No, no. In fact, later in the episode, Amy's going to tell Kevin, or was this a different episode? No, it was this one. Yeah, no, it was this one. Yeah, where Amy says Jill doesn't really do okay. Right. And but I think that we we have to always remember that Jill's mother left and Jill's mother is not communicating to Jill why she left because she doesn't communicate. So there's certainly I mean, we know that in many families that that are broken up, uh, children all all frequently often feel as though they are to blame. So I think that there's probably a, a lot of guilt in Jill that she feels like maybe she drove her mother away. Mm-hmm. So I, to me, I think that Bunsen burner flame is not just a one-off. It's not just a throwaway. It's the, this is Jill trying to feel something because it's different from the way she normally feels. But anyway, in walks Kevin. She immediately breaks down crying. I know. Uh, it, what did you think she was crying about when she saw Kevin? I thought so. I thought that maybe she had already known about the like the attack was already publicized or whatever, so she already knew about it. And she thought Kevin was coming in to tell her, uh, or she, I, she, I thought Kevin was coming in to tell her about her mom's panic attack. Number one, and I thought that she was worried that something. Oh, she was worried that something happened to her mom, but Jill didn't even know the attack happened yet. Is what confused. She she broke down so quickly. For not even knowing any sort of violent thing happened. Right. And I guess the, the idea is that the only reason that her father would be there is to tell her that something terrible happened to their to her mother. Exactly. Because that's that's what she's crying about. And she was worried about her. And she says, I wish I shouldn't have cried. She wouldn't have cried for me. Yeah, that was really sad. I'm like, oh Jill. Yeah. Poor Jill. Poor Jill. <laughs> I mean, I gain a lot of sympathy for Jill in this episode. I think that that's and, and I think I want to talk more about Jill when we get to the scene that she has with Kevin later on, because I think it's oh, pretty Oh, yeah. Sorry. Jill won me over. Oh, on yeah. The, on the, not, the, not even this episode, but when she gave her mom the gift and whatnot. That, that, yeah. Jill, Jill, since then, she's been a fine kid. Oh, yeah. Fine soul. <laughs> she is. She is. <laughs> All right. So the next scene is, is Patty picking up. Well, it's Lori in the hospital, and the doctor asks how much you're smoking. <laughs> <laughs> quite a lot is the answer to that but uh the the point is uh the the bigger issue here is that patty picks up Lori from the hospital and 
they get in the this van or whatever it is that they're driving and patty starts playing music which is something that we have not heard at all with the guilty remnant at all i mean so it was a pretty shocking experience to hear music playing in this car mm-hmm. yeah definitely okay and they take off we don't know where they're going and, and nobody knows but uh any comments about that? Were Not you... really. No, I just, just, you know, just the shock of, oh, you see yeah. the car, something, something's going on. Yep. Uh, so we go to, to the police station and Kevin is yelling at one of his subordinates. I, I'm not sure what this guy's name is or what his rank is, but he's definitely not the chief of police, which is what Kevin is. And he's he has turned this case into the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, Explosives, and Cults. Yeah, so you, you, you have commented on this before, this yeah. agency that exists, and yes, here we are, they're finally being called in. Yes, yeah, so, well, I mean, we, we have right now have the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, uh-huh. but post-departure, they have added explosives and cults. You know, I I have to say right there, the fact that you just said departure, this, when I watched this episode, and for the whole time you've been talking now, I've not once about like the depart like the the level of separation from the departure has gotten to now right at, le- at least in terms of the last few episodes which is fine listen i, I don't think they have to talk about the departure every episode and whatnot it doesn't always have to be in mind I don't, it's just it just amazing me how it's it, it's evolved the episodes the show's evolved definitely by this point now where it's it's i the departure is not that big of a deal anymore i mean I, i'm sure it'll yep. come up more and Everything's I mean, just a it's just like a butterfly effect from it, right? That's yes. It, it, what I mean, it's the title of the of the series. It's the leftovers. Mm-hmm. It's not about the departure. It's about the people who are left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and I think that's I think you've hit something there that's it's so important that this series is not about the departure. The departure happened, and it's about how these people deal with their lives, having gone through that. Mm-hmm. And it will come up. I mean, it, it does come up quite, you know, quite a lot. It's, it's always looming over everybody. And much like the beast and lost is always looming over everybody. I don't know. I haven't seen him in a few episodes or one, but it's episode. always looming, right? Oh yeah. yeah There's yeah. always the threat of it. Yeah. yeah. So, or I guess, you know, consider it like the plane crash and lost if you want. The yeah. Pl- yeah. I guess this is what starts the whole plot. It's the yep. driving force and they always reference back to the plane crash. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah. So uh, we this this bureau is called at ATFEC. It's not easy to say ATFEC. Alcohol, tobacco, firearms, explosives, and cults. Right. And Kevin is not happy that the subordinate called it into the feds because he does not want the federal government, this federal agency, to come in and, and work on this case. He wants to handle it himself. Uh, but the guy makes great points. This, it checked yeah. every box. <laughs> He's just reading off the list. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> checked every box. But Kevin has an unexpected ally come in in Mayor Mayor Lucy, uh, who comes in and says that he the guy was out of line and that it's he needs to undo this. And she gives he, the guy gives Kevin the name of the agent that he called Agent Kalani. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Kevin's gonna spend a big chunk of this the rest of this episode trying to get a hold of this agent Kalani and undo this so that they, the feds don't take over but were you surprised to see lucy come to kevin's defense here uh they, they seem to be getting on better and better terms but no i didn't make a note of it of mayor and cop seem to be work 
Oh, I, re- I use really broken English. But yeah, I said they work really well now. Because <laughs> they, they, they start talking about the curfew. Or she asks, what do you need? I'm like, I just need a curfew by this. And later when they start trying to talk about the curfew to the people at a town hall meeting, the mayor still sticks up for him despite the obvious, you know, people are not digging this curfew idea. So, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely they, they, they've uh, they've grown into lines. Maybe just because of the time of trouble, but definitely. Yeah. At least and, this episode. You know, yeah, and we're, we're going to talk about... Uh, at the end of our lost episode uh, this week, uh, the idea of the concept of whether or not Kevin is fully trusted by people. And it does seem like the mayor is coming around to trusting him, which is it's good for him. Yeah. Okay. But he does want a curfew and they are going to deal with that a little bit later. So the next scene we get is Lori and Patty arrive at this motel. Huh. Right. Yeah. And L- Lori's in one room. Patty's in another room. They both go to, the, but we get the scene with Lori kind of washing up, right? And, and it's it just seems so luxurious to her, doesn't it? it, it yeah. Uh-huh. I got the impression that she was feeling like she was living in the lap of luxury, and this what really looked like kind of a crummy motel. Yeah, uh, the bathroom looked pretty okay for a crummy Yeah, it did. I it's probably because well. So they own this cul-de-sac, this big cult of them. And they, how many people live, uh, or how many people are part of the this chapter? Or uh, something between fifty and hundred, I think, but I don't they, know exact numbers. Yeah, they they mentioned it in the one episode. I remember. They did, yeah. But so uh, yeah, we'll say about seventy-five. But there's a good chunk of them, and while they have like a whole cul-de-sac to themselves, there's still quite a few of them per house. There's yep. probably like some like bathroom rules or like regular. You can't just take a nice long shower or bath because there's so many people. You know, they got to use the bathroom too and whatnot. Yep. Or maybe there's multiple, but still there's a lot of people. So Yeah, I mean, she has her own bathroom here. This is yeah. like the yeah, lap of luxury. I mean, a, a bath is always nice. I love a good bath. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So uh, they're going to spend the night in this hotel. We don't know why. We just know that they're spending the night in this hotel. Mm-hmm. Did you Did you have any uh, inkling as to what was going to happen from there at the hotel? Did you? Uh, I thought Patty had some sort of like revenge plan this point i'm thinking okay so someone's messed with the gr because my, yeah. my, my main thought wasn't that the gr did it themselves and uh, it just doesn't seem like it to me maybe they did i'm not ruling it out but just a time even right now though if you ask me like do i think the gr did it themselves i would guess not maybe they, they I, okay. I, I i still think they could have but i'm, I'm just uh, putting everybody yeah. out oh, there oh yeah, yeah i understand so yeah, you just, you just yeah you're just putting everyone out there possible suspects and definitely the gr are a possible suspect i agree with that but um, I thought that Patty had some sort of like revenge plan, or yeah, some sort of like maybe counterattack, or yeah, just something in retaliation to what happened to Pat- Patty, because they like traveled during a motel. I don't know where they are. I just know they traveled oh. somewhere in their motel. So I didn't know if they like left town. I I, I just assume they traveled somewhere now they're in this motel. Patty, maybe she's going to like some different chapter of uh the guilty remnant. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, I thought she had a, a big plan. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Right. So she had a very important plan, didn't she? But we'll get to that later. Anyway, uh, even though Lori and Patty have left the cul-de-sac, they're not there. Kevin kind of slides in there, and he's going to stake out the guilty remnant cul-de-sac that night. Uh, I I think that he's worried that they are going to go out and get killed, get someone else killed. Uh, so he decides he's going to camp out there. Uh, in the cul-de-sac, he's got his sandwiches. He's got his beer. So, <laughs> so what are the 
Because this is in New York, right? Maple, whatever. Upstate, upstate New York, yeah. Upstate New York. Is, is this a real town, by the way? Maple, whatever? Mapleton? Uh, Mapleton is the name of the town. Uh, it's This is a fictionalized version. Uh, I don't... I'm not actually sure if there is a Mapleton, New York. Um, but uh, let me look it up. Was here. this actually filmed in New York or was it just filmed somewhere else? Uh, it, yeah, it was filmed in New York. Oh, really? Wow. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah. um, uh, there, there is a Hamlet in New York State, but it's not where this is set. It's in the, the actual Mapleton, New York is out in Niagara County. Okay. This is set uh down closer to the city so maybe westchester or orange county so all right that's your question Uh, oh you know no my other question is going to be so like what are what are the what are like the drunk where's the drinking and driving laws right isn't new york's like a zero tolerance state right like you're in trouble if you have any alcohol in your system he's the chief of police well you know <laughs> yeah, I think he thinks he can get away with it because he's the chief of police, but he's not actually driving here. He's the same as key in the ignition because I'm pretty sure that's a little constitutes, or if you're like in the position to drive, like if you have your keys on you and you're in your car, that kind of uh, I guess I'm not familiar with, with DWI law, like yeah, because you can't sleep in your car drunk. Oh, even if I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think cops will press you about it, like they're not gonna like, but that is technically illegal. Okay. Well, anyway, he does it. <laughs> uh, but he gets woken up by some dude walking his dog, uh, wakes him up. Uh, and he, Kevin, all of a sudden is reminded by this guy that the guilty remnant just bought up a church. Yes. And so be, this, having just heard this, Kevin decides he wants to interview Reverend Matt. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, oh, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, again, we talk about motive. We talk about opportunity. Does Matt have motive to do this? Well, yes, he has. Certainly, mm-hmm. if you're a detective looking at this case, this yep. man had a church. Yeah, uh, apparently this man he made over a hundred thousand pretty quickly and tried to buy it back. Sadly, he got hit in the head by a stone. Yep. For trying to help guilty remnant, and yep. those same guilty remnant people that he tried to help bought his church from him. So. Yep. So yeah. there's definitely motive there, and we'll talk about the opportunity later. So but I want I want us to to be thinking of Matt as a potential suspect here as well. Uh, and then the next thing we get is Kevin returning home, uh, and of course the alarm wasn't set, and he starts getting on Jill's case. He didn't set the alarm, uh, and Amy is again at the breakfast table now eating. It just seems like Amy's always eating. Uh, <laughs> he was either eating or talking about food <laughs> right right and after he gets into it with jill a little bit about not setting the alarm uh jill leaves and he he asks amy if jill's okay and this is where amy says jill doesn't really do okay <laughs> kevin says i can't win amy winks at him points a spoon at him and says now you're getting it, <laughs> which I, I really do actually like that interaction between Kevin and Amy, uh, because it, I think it's important to to note that Kevin may feel like he's trying, mm-hmm. but certainly also feels like he can't. He's not winning. Like he can't win. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. But I also love the idea of Amy saying that Jill doesn't really do okay. All right, but. 
that's kind of a, a minor episode compared to what starts happening next. So anything else you want to say about that? No, no, I mean, go on. Okay. So next we're back at the motel with Lori and Patty. Lori wakes up and sees that Patty has left clothes for her on the chair. Yes. Lori puts on those clothes and, and meets Patty in the restaurant. And Patty is talking. Oh, yeah. Emilia just goes right out and starts chatting like they've always been talking. And Lori, Lori looks so visibly confused. Like, the waitress comes. She's still... It, it's like, you just don't want to break your streak at that point, right? You've, it's been eight months, she shows, with her hands, right? It's been so long. If I was Lori, I don't want to break my streak now, you know? Okay. That's, pos- that, that's one way to think about it, I assume. Uh, but, I mean, Patty's ordering breakfast she's like they have breakfast all day here she's all excited so is this is patty trying to give Lori a needed day off or is she is this a test that's what i was wondering that's what i wanted to know is i have no clue what patty really wants and even later in their conversation when they like she talks about um gladys when she was in the same position here uh, and compares her and Lori to what they're doing and whatnot. I, I really, yeah, I was wondering, what's Patty's motivation behind this? Are they pure? Is it like cynical? Is she? This is just a test. Is it actually her trying to be nice? Something I don't even like. Not even in my equation right here. I'm not even thinking of. Yeah, and and I love it because it could go either way. Yeah, there's <laughs> another thing. Always fence writing. Always, yeah. always, yeah. It's, it, I think it's brilliant. And and by the way. Do you what? What's your opinion of Patty as a character after this episode? I think I don't think she's. I feel like she's a skeever, but uh, she's yet to do very skeeverous things yet. So I don't really know. But <laughs> no, something Patty. about something about being the head of a cult makes me think you're a skeever. That's what I'm saying. Okay. And yeah. The planning. I, I'm assuming she's on that plan. It's like the photo robbery and like buying this church. Like so. I think something. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely skeevy senses there. Oh yeah, I I just think Patty is fascinating. She opens her mouth and I just I barely breathe because I just want to hear. Everything. <laughs> oh yeah, whenever she talks, I'm like, like well, the first time she talked uh, when Megan came around, I was like, oh my god, talk. yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I was hoping Lori would talk. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, she's so good at making it look like it. She's like looking at the waitress. I'm like, oh, she's good. At... And then yeah. stupid Patty just comes in and orders for her. I was like, ah. Oh. Oh yeah, we'll we'll have everything on the menu. We'll have eggs and French toast, and coffee and bacon. It's unbelievable, but uh, yeah, it this this is so intriguing to me to hear Patty talking. Uh, but we'll talk. We'll get back to this later because we got some Kevin stuff to talk about. Because Kevin goes to the laundromat looking for his shirts, uh-huh. his his white shirts, which are according to the computer system not there. Mm-hmm. But Nora's there too. Ah, uh, yes, your favorite character, Nora. This is all we get of Nora this week. I'm very, it's very sad, but we're gonna get plenty of Nora next week. I'm so excited. It's, so you've it's, really hyped up this episode. I'm, I'm so excited. It's the Nora centric episode. Do you it's, think I'm gonna like this episode? I don't think there's any possible way that you're gonna like it as much as I've hyped it up. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I guess. I don't think there's any chance of it. I think you'll like it. I, I don't. I don't think there's any way it could possibly 
live up to my expect to the expectations I have set, and I really apologize for that. That that is that's my mistake. I apologize to all our listeners if we have them that <laughs> for, for that because really, no, oh, I'm so excited about next episode. Anyhow, they they really like key in on that uh, Nora Kevin interaction there. So yep, I mean, there's definitely some sort of like flirtatious flirting vibes or whatever. Okay, so you think that this is flirtatious, not just innocent interaction? I think I think that they are eventually going to become like a couple because they're, they're neither of them are. I think I think they'll be I think they'll become closer, definitely. Okay, would you be into that, or is that going to be disappointing? Uh, I don't, I, I'm not really one way or the other on it. Yet. They, they seem okay. they seem pretty good in their interactions, but okay, it's just like idle chit chat with each other. Some like some I guess some deep stuffy brought up how he cheated on his wife but yeah just yeah i mean i'll yeah. see I'm not, I'm not opposed to him if yeah so far it's well, just, it's fine. Just, yeah yeah so but anyway kevin's shirts are not there or at least they tell him that they're not there he he may or may not believe that um, <laughs> another but, sign of craziness by kevin he's got a question yeah, of sanity yeah. yet again poor guy. Yeah. but anyway he brings matt in for questioning reverend matt uh, and he asks Matt where he was on the night that Gladys was killed. And Matt says he was at his house with his study group. Uh-huh. And so here, here's a little bit more evidence that maybe Matt's involved with this somehow, because there was definitely, there were definitely multiple people who stoned Gladys. Certainly. So if Matt has a quote unquote study group, maybe he has some people who would have gone with him. Yeah. Okay. I didn't okay. think about that either. So that is true. I'll buy that kind of throws his alibi in the bin. That's yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. He also wants to see the body for some reason, which is a little bizarre. Well, because he wants to pray for her. Which I don't know why you, I, I mean, I, I, that is certainly <laughs> if you take it at face value. Yes. He wants to see the body because he wants to pray for her. She was someone who was familiar to him because she was always trolling him. Just <laughs> a little weird. Yeah. But uh, yeah, exactly with the blanket. But he wants to see the body, but maybe from another perspective, he wants to see the body because he wants to see his handiwork. Oh, like some sick serial killer level thing. Yeah. like some Dexter killer thing. Yeah. Hmm? I, if, if, if Reverend Matt did it, I will be so shocked. Like, so we've gone through him, and I know just listing all the suspects, list all the suspects. Out of all the suspects, right? Yeah, I would be most shocked if it was Reverend Matt. Not angry per se. If you do it the right way, fine. I don't know. I, I don't know how in his character he goes and does that. But well, I mean, the we saw what he did to the guy who tried to steal his money. You know what? That's actually very true. You know, hmm, you're right. He yeah. did. He did really mess that guy up for his church. And not only did this time he lost. Oh. No, I really that really swayed me over. Now he went from least likely to now I think he's the most likely. <laughs> now, now you just well, I've got I got to temper that. I'll I'll put down the back burner. I'll see how I feel. Okay. About it. All right, we'll, we'll move on. Yeah. So Matt was at his house with a study group. Now Kevin gets pulled out of this interview with Matt because the mayor has assembled the city council to vote on the curfew, and there is an unexpectedly large crowd there. Are you buying that the mayor didn't know this crowd was going to be this big? I didn't really think about that. (laughs) 
I, I want to believe that she is now fully on Kevin's side and that she is trying to, to go along with him and that she didn't know this crowd was going to be this big. But there's part of me that thinks that maybe she set it up so that the crowd would be this big because she knows that Kevin will fall flat on his face and she already knows how the council is going to vote. That's... So, so she wants to win points with Kevin by making it look like she's in full support. Meanwhile, knowing that there's no way it's going to work. Well, I mean, I see that the biggest reason I don't think that's the case is, um, yes, she would gain support with Kevin for doing that, but she, she probably, when she says in front of everyone, I stand behind the sheriff when everyone's mad about this, she probably loses favor with these people probably voters. If they're like, so like inclined to come during this, uh, possible curfew time, probably a lot of potential voters here. I yeah. I feel like she wouldn't want to take that hit. I, I think her, you're exactly so. right. So I, I, I so I don't think that's the case. It could be, could be certainly, but I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I agree. Uh, but this crowd wants none of this curfew. They don't want to hear oh, about yeah. it. They think it's a terrible idea. They think, why are we all going to be punished because one of them got killed? So there's a whole we them aspect to this. And one of the most vocal people in the crowd. <laughs> is dean dean the mystery man i still dean want to call him mystery man but yeah there's dean now I that's fine you can call him mystery man if you want i'm gonna call him dean i've been wanting to call him dean this whole time <laughs> <laughs> but uh so it's a, re- a big relief that i can just say dean instead of mystery man but dean is very vocally opposed to this in fact he says as you've already mentioned it a couple of times how do we know they didn't do this to do this to themselves yeah yeah we've so, talked about that a few times now and yep, it's a good point which plants the seed of, oh, I, and, and at this point when I'm watching the episode, I hadn't even thought about that as an option. But, you know, but you know, what if what if Dean's saying that because he did it and he's trying to plant the seed that maybe it was, you know, he's trying to push the Absolutely. Story. He's definitely got the motive to if he did it. Absolutely. We've seen we've seen him kill dogs. We've seen him have no affection for for that for them. And so I think it's very easy to extrapolate that into him killing guilty. Remnant. We've seen him uh, hunting guilty remnant in Kevin's dreams. So it's, it's really easy for us to extrapolate that and very possible that he's throwing out the guilty remnant as a distractor to get them off his scent. Mm-hmm. But at any but it, it definitely put the seed of doubt in my mind like oh my god i had not even thought about the guilty remnant themselves being responsible for this uh until he mentioned that and then you start to go back and say well wait a minute actually that makes some sense but we also have dean in the woods with his black jacket on so <laughs> and a gun <laughs> what did he, he say at one point my my gun doesn't uh doesn't Two shoot rocks. yeah, <laughs> yeah so which so uh, it's all very interesting because that that seed of doubt that he planted in uh the crowd's head and the mayor's head and maybe kevin's head really got planted in my head too when he said that as well Mm -hmm. oh yeah certainly so the but the curfew gets voted down and again that this is the crowd's version of why should why should we be punished for what happened to them we and them right so kevin decides since he's not going to get any help in that way he's going to go try to help the guilty remnant himself and he brings them all these whistles oh yes yes the whistle yeah which i don't know have you ever watched the rest of development i i i watched 
I'm talking Parks and Recreation. I, I watched half of the first episode and then I stopped. Oh, okay. That's the one where it's like the lemonade stand the guys in prison. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Not the lemonade stand, it's the banana stand. Banana stand, my bad. Bananas. But anyway, there's 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 one episode in which somebody buys a whole bunch of whistles for, for whistleblowers within the company and one of the characters goes, why are we spending so much money on whistles? So that's all I could think of when Kevin brings this giant box of whistles to the guilty remnant. Uh, and he's, he, and they won't, they still, they won't talk to him. And he says, I'm the only person who gives a shit about you people. And you can't even tell me where my wife is. Cause she, she finds out that Lori is not actually there. <laughs> and of course, Meg. Oh, Meg. Just, just twist the knife. She's not your wife anymore. Ooh. Oof. Where's the coffin, man? Uh. I mean the the turn. This episode is a real turning point for Meg. I think. Meg, yeah, Meg was always kind of like I thought maybe. Well, more and more she's gotten more and more guilty. Of Remnant as time went on. Yeah. But I always thought there was hope that she would leave. But I mean, I guess there's always still hope that she'll leave. But this episode, she's full on like, I'm guilty. Remnant for life, bro. All <laughs> back, like she's. He knows where allegiances lie. Yep. Now, uh, we this this line though, she's not your wife anymore, as I think intentionally meant to sound a lot like what Dean says to Kevin in the fir- very first episode. These are not our dogs, not anymore. Oh, I didn't think of it that way. Uh, <laughs> the connection from episode one to episode five of. Huh? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, there's a, there's so much connective tissue all over the place. I love it. <laughs> so we we got to get back to the to the diner because the, I mean this is this diner scene between Patty and Lori is to me what the campfire scene between Jack and John was in Lost this week. So that was a great yeah great great uh, scenes coming out of there. I, th- this episode in general like no weak points like the the previous episode Tom kept ruining it. Just, oh yeah. yeah there's no tom at all there's no tom it. exactly yeah it's <laughs> okay so i remember from episode one i was like you know i kind of i kind of like tom's story i'm digging it and you're like oh, i don't know about that and <laughs> you know i fully converted over to it. i'm okay i would listen i'd be fully okay if they just didn't say a word about tom he's gone <laughs> that's it i wouldn't i wouldn't question a soul i wouldn't be upset <laughs> it's fine drop it it's um there's a I mean, you, you never watched Pokemon, did you? Did you ever watch Pokemon? Uh, my kids are way into Pokemon. I've seen Pokemon. <laughs> so you've seen Pokemon. Well, Most of it. I don't know if this is... I think this is like season two or three. This is long... Back when I was young, I used to watch Pokemon. They they had this thing, a Pokeball called the G-Ball. I think it was called the G-Ball. Hmm. I was called the G-Ball. They, they, they introduced a special ball, right? And so Ash was like tasked with giving it... Or he was just had it and he held on to it. And... Later on, so the the writers plan on having I think Celebi be in it, one of the, like a legendary Pokemon was supposed to be in the G Ball, but then they ended up making a movie with Celebi and stuff, so they didn't want Celebi to be in the G Ball. So all they did was they just had him like hand off the suit. So he, he held into this ball for so long, and like people were just wondering what's in it, and he just handed it off, and like never it never opens <laughs> it. Then he like hands it off to like some professor, like one of the <laughs> town professors, and that's it. And that's a like they dropped it, and people were angry about that, and, yeah. and like. I didn't really realize as a kid because I'm like I, I I forgot about the G ball by then, but 
I'm okay if they did something like that. They just dropped it. It's fine. Didn't know what they were doing. It's okay. (laughs) Well, I I can tell you that we are going to get more Tommy and Christine this this season. Uh, It it does get better. It's it's not great. It's still kind of the weak point of the season, but uh, it gets kind of wrapped up this season. So there's not a whole lot else that happens with Tommy and Christine after this. So. Tom, Tom, they're still, they're not gone, but I think you're going to be very happy with the way that, <laughs> that they go take that story. <laughs> so, uh, but we got to get back to this diner because this, this is, oh, this is such a good, everything that happens in this diner is just amazing. Because now Patty's really going to start talking. Uh, she, she basically tells the, the waitress that she wants a doggy bag, but the waitress is like, you ate everything. What are you going to put in the doggy bag? And then Patty's just like, oh, just yeah. go get it. Like, it really- I, I'm hungry. I put it out. Like, what does she want doggy bag for? Like what? Do something, something nefarious. I've been thinking this whole time, something nefarious. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, but while the waitress is gone, she starts telling Lori about the time that she took Gladys to the same motel same diner and it happened to be right after gladys's son died mm-hmm. okay and gladys was had been crying around the house and then she was crying out in the open and they just can't have that so she patty brought her to this diner for this day off and she told her that she could talk but she never broke just like you says patty and says and patty says i understand the pull going back seems easy and what we do is very hard and she says there can't be any doubt that i think the exact i think i have this right she says doubt is fire and fire will burn you until you are but ash right mm-hmm. that's that's those are the, the words that she said the whole time that she's saying them like tears are streaming down her face. Oh yeah, she got emotional here, which, oh. which, which to me was like really funny. She's like, "You can't, you know, we're not supposed to feel guilty remnant." As she says this, she has this very emotional. Oh yeah, dialogue and has shows great feelings. Yep, it's oh, Patty is such an interesting character. <laughs> I I love Patty. I do like her a lot. Oh, she's like. She's up there with Nora. Like, well, I mean, at this really? point in the series, she's ahead of Nora. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen much of Nora. But yeah. Soon. But, oh, man, she is just, she is a scene stealer. Like, she gets on my screen and just chews up the scenery. <laughs> and, and just, like, I just can't help but focus on everything that she says and just hold my breath and hang on her every word. She's, she's incredible. Uh, and and we're gonna get plenty more of Patty. She she is a pretty major character. So, uh, so what what do you what do you think about that speech? Don't I don't want to talk yet about um, what she says next. But up to that point where she's describing Gladys's day off, what do you think about that speech? This made me think like Gladys. So Gladys seemed pretty high up there in the the hierarchical rankings, like. Yep. I, I saw Patty and Gladys, well, even in the first scene, we saw Patty and Gladys have some sort of meeting. So my first thought is, okay, Lori's the new second or like right-hand man. It's just what I figured this was going to be. And I still think it is. I think 
that okay. Patty's making her now what Gladys was to her before. Mm-hmm. And Lori will probably find whoever she was to Gladys a third hand or second hand, whatever you want to call it, a hand to the hand. <laughs> uh, yeah, so but, but prior prior to her telling uh, the speech, that uh, that's what I thought. Okay, is that before she says it's uh, like, well, is that before or after she told her that Gladys also did not speak? No, th- this is after. After okay, yeah. So so this is part of the speech that, that, yeah, that is Gladys. She never broke, just okay. like you. Okay, yes, that is part of the speech. Yeah. She this yeah that made me also think it's a test. And I questioned Patty's like morals. Is what does she really want? I'm not sure. And yeah. then it's the when it ends with what she writes down and laughs. Yeah, let's not talk about the oh. dog mag yet, because oh, okay. this. But up, up to this point, the waitress has not come oh, no. the doggy bag. But this speech to me solidified the idea that this was in fact a test for Lori. <laughs> that. This maybe not a test, maybe that's not the best way to put it, but this was I brought Gladys here because she needed to get her shit together. And if she couldn't do that, then she couldn't be with us anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's the way I took that because we can't have Gladys out on the streets crying. That does not work. No weakness. So I'm gonna bring you here because I you just had a panic attack over Gladys dying, and we cannot have any doubt in your mind that you're doing the right thing by being with us. So if there is any doubt, you're, you're out. So she needs, she needs Lori here to, to instill upon her the idea that there cannot be any doubt. And Patty needs to see for herself that there's not any doubt. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that's a huge theme of their, their whole conversation is this idea of doubt. So, I definitely think that it wasn't maybe a test, but so much as either get your shit together or get out. This, mm-hmm. Those are your choices. So I, is this, is this the scene right before like it ends that she write the um, Patty writes something on a notepad and then like walks off for a bit or like goes to the bathroom. Okay. She, she doesn't write on a notepad. So now what happens is that the waitress brings the doggy bag. Oh, she writes in the doggy bag. Yes. Okay. And she and and she's writing something on the doggy bag. And she says to Lori, you remember what you told me to do in the last session just before everything changed? Mm-hmm. So what does that mean to you? I think Lori has had has questioned herself before. This makes me think like she's Oh, so you think maybe this is not the first time Lori's been on one of these little retreats with Patty? Either, yeah, not the first time she's been on a retreat with Patty, or I think this is the first time because she seems shocked the entire time. So I think it is the first time, but I don't think it's the first time that her her will has been shaken and she has almost left the remnant. Ah, that's what that makes me think of. Gotcha. She's yeah. had shirring up before. Now this is like, you know, head honcho sure up because you got to be my second in command. Okay, gotcha. Good, good call. I like that. I like that take. So why do you think she writes the name Neil on the doggy bag? My, my first thought is that's her first husband. That, that That's what I can think of. Patty's first husband? Not Patty's. Lori's. Lori's first husband. Lori's okay. first husband. Oh, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Because because Lori was... We know Lori was married before. That, that's the only thing I could think of. Maybe... Or maybe now, not married, but we know that Lori 
Tommy's father is not Kevin. Yeah, so- Tommy's father is not Kevin. Another another uh, guess or hypothesis you want to put it is that maybe uh, Neil was someone close to her, whether it be her brother, uh, father, uncle, someone close to her in her life uh, that like got departed or in some way was affected by the departure that is no longer with us. Maybe he passed away or just left her life, and that was kind of like a pushing reason she joined the guilty remnant or some some sort of shock with the name neil so i don't know gotcha and so one way or another you're thinking neil had a connection to Lori. oh yeah certainly yeah that's why i think so also something with patty but i just took it as something with Lori. gotcha okay and we may as well just put it put a put a punctuation mark on the end of that story because it's not too long after that they get back in the then they drive home and there's no music playing now. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, no, I'm sorry. There, there is music playing. And, and it's not until Patty gets out of the van with the doggy bag, says Neil puts it on a doorstep, gets back in the car. And then we have no music and they're back in full guilty remnant mode. <laughs> right. Oh, I like the switch. Patty. Did, did I, I, in there? I don't think so. I don't but think so. So jarring. Both of those rides in the car are so jarring when they put the music on and then when they turn the music off. It's just, it, it's a really effective use of music, I think. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. Back at the ranch. Not back at the ranch. Back in <laughs> Mapleton. Uh, Kevin picks up Matt from his study group to bring him to see Gladys. He's had this change of heart for some reason. He's going to give Matt the opportunity to see Gladys. And he says it's because it's the closest thing to a funeral she's going to have. <laughs> she's been to the Guilty Remnant and doesn't see a whole lot of <laughs> sadness there. Yeah. So, sweet, sweet thing by Kevin. What? Sweet thing by him, I think. I oh, think his intentions are good here. <laughs> I can't think yeah. of an angle here. No, I think, that, I, think it's, I think it was a really nice thing to do. So, and Matt tells this story, quotes scripture in the car. He says, it's easier to stay silent than it is to speak the truth. That's the summation of the story. I can't remember the whole. I mean, either. I just remember thinking like, of course, <laughs> of course, this is the way Matt feels. Cause he's always, you know, going off about him. Yep. And, but <laughs> Kevin is playing our surrogate in the situation and says, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Yeah. <laughs> And Matt sums it up for him. It's easier to stay silent than it is to speak truth. Killing these people is pointless because they're already dead. What I want is to bring them back to life. So is that enough for you to buy that Matt did not do it? I'm back on the man is the most innocent one. Do that again. I think uh, he's a holy man. I don't think he could kill. Mm-hmm. I think he could injure, but not yeah. kill. Yeah. Okay, so you think Matt's off the hook here? I think I don't think Matt did it. Really, I don't think Matt did it. I mean, I think this is a really good point that he makes, that they're already dead. Killing them is pointless. But what he wants is to bring them back to life, and we see that later. Do you think Matt has a new mission? Because we haven't seen these flyers in a few episodes now. That's true. I, didn't, I wasn't looking out for the flyers. So <laughs> he's got a study group. We yeah. don't know exactly what they study. Yeah, I I was thinking about that. That study group looked bigger than we saw his con- congregation like one time in his episode. But that yeah. study group looks bigger than his congregation. Yes, <laughs> I, I I put a note of it. Looks like uh, his congregation's gotten better since losing the church. 
Yes, you. I think you're right. I think you're right. But I think that makes some sense too. If he has kind of shifted away from passing out flyers, just bashing bashing people who departed, and shifted more towards saving the guilty remnant, bringing them back to life, I think that mission might be more attractive to people, mm-hmm. yeah. especially people whose loved ones have joined the guilty remnant. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think I think Matt may have a new mission here. Good for Matt. Uh, I like Matt a lot. He's sexy. I, I'm excited Matt, Matt. for his season two episode, much like I'm excited for the Gene scene. I was. I know. I know. Oh, the Gene <laughs> scenes. I honestly, just to deviate, just a tiny amount here. We only get one more season of Better Call Saul, and I really, I want more than a Gene scene. I want at least a full Ooh, episode. Yeah, Gene episode, maybe even more than one. I'm okay if they like spend the first few episodes as a gene episodes i don't care if they do like a gene episode to begin with and then because they want to like end off the series with the like a gene yeah. scene because you know i'm okay if they I'm do actually that hoping for like three or four gene episodes at the end i yeah i, I yeah as long i just want more than a single gene scene that's all i'm saying just more than a single like you know opening scene i at least one an episode's worth of gene yeah. Anyway, anyway the, yeah. we'll get back to the leftovers here because when they get to the morgue and they uh, they're going to show Matt Gladys's body so that he can pray for her or whatever he's going to do, her body's gone, and it turns out that Aftek, no Atfek, sorry, already took Gladys, Gladys's body, and Kevin is not happy and he's just cursing at the phone. Oh, Blaney, so I love, I love it. <laughs> When, I think it's hysterical when he, he drops an F-bomb and he turns and looks at Matt like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And Matt's like, <laughs> I, I say fuck too. That's a good comedy. I also like when he later gets the call back and the guy's like so so kind with it. Like, just so, you know, so, so like oh, yeah. level-headed with them. <laughs> I don't think yeah. he heard his... Yeah, he didn't hear his voice emails. And like the awkwardness that was to be of like, oh god, if he ever goes back to his voice... <laughs> Gonna yep. So actually, that's the that's the next scene. Anyway, so let's yeah. get into that. So Ke- Kevin gets home and he has a lot of trouble disarming the security code, right? Huh? Which uh, again, if he has this much trouble disarming it, like it, it, it kind of is a good thing that it was disarmed if he was going to go out that night that Gladys died. So it, it's it's little more evidence that maybe this is Kevin that did this. Mm-hmm. Okay. All yeah. right. That's fair enough. Now agent, while he's trying to disarm the security code, agent Kalani calls and he's been trying to get a hold of this guy all day and he's finally calling. And so he, he eventually disarms the security code, uh, but he finds out from Kalani, and, and you're right, Kalani is incredibly colloquial, just really nice. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Oh, yeah, I, I, I didn't know that. Oh, man. Oh, that sucks. Sorry, yeah. Like, but unfortunately, he cannot send the body back. That sucks, but yeah, it, get, it gets worse, right? Or just darker. <laughs> Very it, dark. A lot darker, because then Kalani says... We could just eliminate the infestation. <laughs> I love the wording of that. I know. I know. Now, do you think, I, I had a thought here that, is this the same agency that raided Holy Wayne's Ranch, do you think? Yeah, pro- if I had to guess, I would say so, yeah. 
Oh, I loved also in this phone call how uh, he he said I don't remember the name of the other cult, but he starts naming other cults. Like, was what cult was she? Was she this one? Was she that one? And Kevin's like, no, guilty remnant. He's like, oh, them. <laughs> so, so why do they chain smoke? <laughs> yeah, they, uh, the, the, this guy is dealing. Yeah, what's with the chain smoking? <laughs> this guy's dealing with all kinds of cults. So this is like just a blip on his radar and, and it's like Kevin's whole world. So, and I like how they sometimes remind us that this is, this is a very small microcosm of what's going on. There's, there's a lot of other big stuff going on in the world. And, and this, this is a nice window into that, mm-hmm. but he offers to take out, to eliminate the investation uh, and, Kevin declines that offer and says, oh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. I I find it so, like, the, the chief of police gets to make this call. <laughs> oh, my God. Just uh, Well, I mean, ultimately, they, it was turned over to the feds. It, it really would be the feds' call. But the fed, the, this particular agent is offering him the opportunity to either take it aside. But... Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because there's a there's a not insignificant possibility that this conversation never actually happened. Hmm. Let me let me explain what I mean. Oh my god, what the, the second? Okay, wait a second. Just give me a moment here. <laughs> so, all right, you ready? Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so. When Agent Claney first called, we see the caller ID. It says Agent oh, Claney. Yes. Okay. We see the caller ID one other time in this scene. Do you remember it? No, I don't. Okay. Right before Agent Claney says we could just eliminate the infestation, suddenly I I noticed, and you might want to go back and watch this again. There's a pretty significant voice change in Agent Kalani at this point when he says, we could just eliminate the infestation. Like it's, it's a, it almost sounds like it's a different person. Okay. Kevin is a little shocked by this and pulls the phone away from his face and the caller ID says unknown. Oh my, what the... So... There's a very real possibility that that's just an oversight that, that they didn't catch in editing that just made it into the episode somehow. Well, this is what I mean by sometimes you're reading into what Damien Lindelof does of maybe it is just accidental. I love if the idea was most of the stuff he does is accidental. And he's like, oh, I, I meant to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would love more than anything if, like, for example, the, the Jeb, Jeeve, uh, the painting on Matt's wall. Sorry, what's the... Uh, Job, there you go. Job. I would love it like the Job was accidental. They're like, oh, we have a nice painting. We'll just hang it there. Hey, look at this nice painting. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did that on purpose. Job, or like the, the numbers on the roulette. Like, oh, yeah. did that on purpose too? Yeah, certainly. I think he definitely did. I'm, I'm joking oh, on that. But, those are definitely intentional. I, this may have been an accident. Hmm. I, I, have, I have some trouble reconciling whether this is an accident or not because but that voice there there is a distinct voice change i was really listening for it this time and it really changes i remember i remember like his i remember the agent's voice at least i thought it was the agent but i remember it getting like more deeper and sinister but i thought that was just because like they're talking about like more 
darker <laughs> that, subject that's, now. Certainly, that's certainly possible too he's like whispering he's like listen we can get rid of the infestation oh yeah i guess he wasn't whispering but yeah yeah it's definitely possible you you could be right about that but it, it's also possible that this is intentionally a different phone call or a phone call that just never happened wow all in kevin's head but however which, whichever it turns out to be kevin does decline the offer to have them come in and take out the guilty remnant mm-hmm. Okay, and then he goes and buys more beer and gets drunk. Or he he is he is drunk actually. We know that he's drunk. Because... Oh yeah, I see his keys fumbling and stuff. Too. Oh yeah, the key the kid doesn't want to sell him the beer because it, he's not allowed to sell to sell alcohol to someone who's an inebriated or whatever he says. All I want to say is I didn't think he was actually inebriated because like the the kid couldn't say the word. He's like inebriated. No, I'm not inebriated. I'm like oh I'm like. It, I, it doesn't sound like it to me. But then when like he gets out to his car, I'm like, oh, okay, nah. Yeah. Either he's got bad eyes or... But the poor uh, the poor dry cleaner is still in the shop with the light <laughs> on. Kevin can see him. Dude, Kevin... I was so scared. Oh. Oh, I, I know. I And I, the whole time I'm thinking, don't do it, Kevin. Don't don't pull a gun on him. Don't pull a gun on him. Don't like, like beat him up. Don't get yourself in trouble, man. It's not the time. Your career over this. Um, but he doesn't. He he beats on the door and, and gets the guy to open up. And the guy pulls eight white shirts off the rack and hands them to him. <laughs> I I would love more than anything if because we don't see him put them on. I would love more than anything if he goes to put them on and they're just random white like a woman's white shirt and like shirts that are like once he tries them on he's like wait these aren't mine because the guy just in such a panic fear of this yep. man just gives him eight white shirts just to get him to leave because he clearly i mean he's clearly terrified he's like yeah no don't worry just uh, da, da, da. you know he's clearly well, afraid. I, think, I think that we're meant to believe that that might that's an option on mm-hmm. on the table because we already know that he looked in the system and there was nothing in the system yeah so yeah, you might you might be right we'll have to see hope for now we know that he's got his eight white shirts and speaking of white shirts the next thing we get is patty and Lori uh returning to the cul-de-sac and there's meg waiting for them all dressed in white and she's got this notepad that says i'm ready yeah <laughs> rip rip meg's voice i guess for now maybe one day but rip yeah, it makes exactly. I I'll miss her because she you know helped speak for the guilty remnant. You know, gave him a voice, especially Lori. Usually at times, yeah. But let us know more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think this this shouldn't come as a surprise to us, given what we've seen throughout this episode. We've seen her trending in this direction, going <laughs> right down to telling Kevin that she's not your wife anymore. Yeah, wow. d- definitely better than if they just began the episode of like, ah, I'm part of it. I'm, I'm all in now. Like they did. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's interesting because this, this death seems to have galvanized Meg. Like she, she's suddenly all, all mm-hmm. in on the remnant. Oh yeah. She, she, it, it's not made her unwaver. It's made her more iron. This like. Yep. yep. And I, and meanwhile, Lori has started to, or seems to have wavered, but uh, we also get now Matt on a, on a PA or a loudspeaker outside the house just talking about Gladys and trying to hold a vigil for uh, for Gladys. And we see Lori break down crying as, as Matt is talking about Gladys. And then Matt asks if anybody would come out and join him for this vigil, vi- not visual, vigil, 
and Lori goes out there and, and we think, Oh my God, she's, she's doing it. She's left. She's leaving the guilty remnant. Like it's bet it's too much for her. At least that's what I thought. Is that what you thought? Uh-huh. I, I thought, yeah, something rebellious. I was like, Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and here's, you know, we just seen Mrs. Is... the guilty remnant. It seemed like it would have made sense for Lori to leave the guilty remnant remnant simultaneously because they've been on these kind of divergent paths. Uh-huh. But that's not what happens. She just blows the whistle in Matt's face with this just this look of just disgust and rage. And, and it's, Typical it's, guilty remnant. Typical guilty remnant. I'm not surprised. Yeah, but what I what I love, what I find most interesting about this is Patty's face because they, they make us make it a point to show us Patty's face as Lori does this. And just the the smirk on her face has leads me to believe that Lori has expelled any doubt in Patty's mind that Lori is indeed all in on the guilty remnant. That's a cult. It is. I mean, it's part of the registered cult list. I remember when we first started, you know, the first episode and stuff. Yep. I said I thought it was a cult, and you were like, mm, "They said they're not a cult, Kurt. Right? You're trying yep. to get me off this bandwagon." Fully yeah. on board, they're a cult. Oh, still on I, it. Absolutely. Just <laughs> this this passive aggressive intimidation tactic by Patty to to galvanize Lori uh, is clear evidence of it to me. I want. Oh, I want to see like Nash or like different chapters. Like I want to see, yeah, like different communities of Guilty Remnant or different chapters like communicating. Mm-hmm. Really, I don't know if that'll ever happen. That's okay if it doesn't. I'm not like no, I'm curious though. You'll get a little bit of it. Ooh, cool. Not not a ton, but a little bit. That's fine. I'm not looking for anything much. Just curious. So how it is. let me ask you this: Are you buying that Lori is full is all in, or do you think no. that this is a show for Patty? I don't know if it's a show for Patty. Per, uh, like I don't know if that's what's going through Lori's head. It might be. I don't actually quite know why she did it. That probably is the reason why. But no, I don't think Lori's all in because. Well, let me offer an explanation as to why she might do this. Patty tells her that she brought Gladys there because Gladys was expressing doubt. Mm-hmm. Gladys is now dead. She brought Lori there because Lori is outwardly expressing doubt. Maybe Lori doesn't want to be dead. Oh, wait, so you're making the connection of Gladys? The thing is, the thing is about that is that she said she brought Gladys there about a year late before. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, if she was wavering doubt for almost like a year, and that's what caused her to die, like, I, I think I don't think. If I had to guess, I don't think Gladys's death has to do with her wavering doubt in okay. Guilty Remnant. I think I'm not sure. Oh, we didn't. I mean, we saw, we saw her, but I didn't see seem to see any doubt in her even like the beginning of the episode she's with uh patty nodding whatever you know yeah but she could have obviously we, you know we don't know her story um 100 but ah uh, no i don't i don't think that's why if she, i don't think that's the reason behind her death if there is a reason could okay be, but do you think that it might be the reason behind Lori's? very public display of support for the guilty remnant i i can definitely see yeah i can definitely see lori uh trying to like show up her um uh, support for the guilty remnant after her day with 
Patty, mm-hmm. just to make sure she's on Patty's good side still. Right. Yeah, I I could see that as a reason. I don't know if that is uh, the number one reason, I, but that's the only reason I can also think of. So, <laughs> but... so if you had to come down on one side or the other, is Lori actually all in, or is she doing this for show? She's not actually all in. I don't think she's okay. actually all in. Okay. I, I tend to agree um, that she saw an opportunity to show that she's all in and kind of get Patty off her back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Patty is loving it regardless. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That grin is just. I mean, that's what you want to see when you're a cult leader. It's like, um, I don't know, like if you're a dad and your kid rides a bike for the first time, I don't know, some, some, some pri- or your kid walks, I don't know, some prideful moment. Like, yes, I've yeah. indoctrinated her so well. Yep, exactly. Exactly. All right, and then we get one more scene with uh, Kevin and Jill back at the house. And Kevin tells Jill that he and Lori are getting a divorce and that he's sorry. Ah, this, I don't know if this or the present scenes is the saddest one. This is really sad, though, man. Oh. The actor, uh, who's the actor that plays Kevin? Oh, Justin Thoreau. He, really, really good job right there. Oh, my God. I, Justin Thoreau is one of those guys where if he starts crying, I'm probably going to start crying. <laughs> like he's his, this scene. I, I love this scene. And Jill, Jill gives us a response that we would not have expected her to give. Yeah. She, she gives like this. She, she gives a response that you'd watch from your kid, I guess, if you're coming. Yeah, because it's not your fault, which is like, I mean, that is all Kevin wants to hear. Mm-hmm. I, I, you're certain that that is that is the one thing that he was hoping to hear from Jill. So sad. Not your fault. And then they they say for the first time that we've seen five episodes into this, they tell each other, "I love you." Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, and Kevin just breaks down crying. So why do you suppose Kevin's breaks down crying now? Because we've never seen this from Kevin. We've never seen him break down crying like this. Uh, I think it happened prior. Maybe, maybe, I think it's from what Megan told him. He was at the guilty remnants of, he's not your wife anymore, and that must have just stuck with him. Yeah. And, just, and, and, that, and that's why he tells Jill about the divorce, because Megan told that to him. He kept thinking about it throughout the day. He's like, oh, man, you know, maybe, I guess that, you know, that's the case. And... And I think what shows that he's accepting that they're getting divorces. Yeah, he finally tells Jill. So I, I think that's why he's crying. He's just he's accepting that he's not going to be with his wife anymore in a legal sense. And like, yeah, yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I think that's got everything to do with it. I think there's also some uh, reaction to this. What I'm viewing as a turning point in his relationship with Jill. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Also, the fact that Jill gave him the, like a sweet response back that he wanted that too, because. Yeah contributed to that but yeah do you think this is a turning point in their relationship uh it could be i mean i, I have to see the episode next or i'd have to, I mean, next is a bottle episode for norris so i don't know if we'll even see much of them but i have to see some of their next interactions to see if it is the turning point but i, I could be I, very well i think this could be a turning point yeah okay yeah i i mean i do too so and then the last scene we have is the aftech I don't know what you call this building, but there are so many bodies in this building. So we know this is a, 
an organization that deals with cults and we see so many bodies just lined up on the floor coming in on trucks so what happened to gladys i think we're we're, we're made to believe here that this is not uncommon that what happened to gladys happens all over the country all the time mm-hmm. to these cult members and we get one last look at gladys as she's burning up and it we're i i think we're meant to recall the line that patty says in the diner doubt is fire and fire will burn you until you are but ash oh my god i did not think about that well now now you've just 180 oh my god maybe that is why she died oh no oh god why no patty well now now i'm convinced it was the guilty remnant oh god okay well let's run through the suspects here okay. so motive and opportunity we've got kevin who certainly hates the guilty remnant because they took his wife from him uh he has the opportunity because he left his alarm off that night okay hmm. uh, and we know that he does kind of wake up suddenly not really knowing what's going on mm-hmm. um we've got matt who has motive because the guilty remnant stole his church out from under him uh and he's got opportunity he has this this his his only alibi is the study group but the study group could have just as easily been involved in the murder yes. right mm-hmm. we've got the guilty remnant themselves which i'm not sure can you think of a motive for the guilty remnant? Oh, I guess the motive would be because she had doubt. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. Or just some other like wacky, crazy thing. But now yeah, that doubt thing, really, really good reason. <laughs> and certainly opportunity. That's that's an easy one. Um, but, but I think we've forgotten about Dean. What about Dean? Oh yeah, of course, Dean. <laughs> the guy that was literally there for the murder. <laughs> The guy, the guy, the most obvious murder suspect, I guess. He was there wearing like the same outfit that the murderers wore. I just—he's too obvious, right? Like, if I'm a real, if I was a real life detective, I'd probably be a bad one. So I'm like, that guy's too obvious. Can't be him. But, but <laughs> sir, all the all the evidence points out. I've seen a lot of TV shows. So can't right, be you, him. you think he's a red herring? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So. Do do you still think? Do you come down on one of those more than any more than the others, or is there someone that we missed? Okay, well, I definitely uh, Matt and Kevin. I don't think it is. It could be Dean. Obviously, I'd be shocked if they went with Dean because I feel like I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's like a double bluff. They do Dean, mm. mm-hmm. but I could see the guilty remnant definitely, especially, especially since uh, it got sprinkled in there by Dean. Like, what, if, what if they did it to themselves and yeah. that doubt by the fire and so what let's rank them well i mean you rank them because i already know so the kevin matt dean guilty remnant most likely uh guilty remnant second likely dean third likely uh i feel like it's like third and fourth that's just a toss-up between matt and uh kevin i i, I don't really follow them I, I i'm pretty confident it's neither of them i will be shocked if it is either of them okay gotcha <laughs> and then uh, two two more questions to ask you before we wrap up here and move on to getting lost in the leftovers so are you convinced by the end of this episode that dean is real yes okay i'm still losing a question okay so by virtue of the fact that you're convinced that dean is real 
are you convinced that Kevin is sane? Yeah, I, I, I've always thought Kevin's sane, yeah. Okay. Even if you see some people. Sane. Thinking, but... <laughs> Although I think he, he might be coming around uh, uh, to the fact that he's sane. He, he, nothing's happened in a while that would lead him to believe that he isn't. The shirts almost, I felt like, but you managed oh, to... Yeah, the shirts. <laughs> really bothered. Okay. Sounds good. So, anything else you want to say about this episode? Uh, uh, no, nothing Nothing in particular I can think of. Okay, you, are you still loving the episode? A great episode. Still, yeah, 9 out of 10. Do not, do not dislike it uh, anymore. Good. Only well, good things well. came of that. And, and, of course, I'm very much looking forward to Season 1, Episode 6, Guest, which is next week's episode. A very Nora-centric episode, so... If you don't think you know enough about Nora yet, oh, ho, ho. ready to live. <laughs> oh, I cannot. You've hyped oh, up Nora quite a bit. I, I, high things. I have high expectations. This is not a 10 on 10 episode. I'm quitting. I will not be watching Leftovers. Me, my IMDb rating is 10 out of 10 on that one. So we'll, we'll see. Don't quit if it's not 10 out of 10. Oh, I will quit. There's not a chance. I'll do it. I'm uh, putting in my two week notice already. I'll quit. Oh, boy. Well, I, I I apologize then for for building it up as much as I have. No, don't. What if this is good? You, you can't you can't start you can't start backing down now. I'm I'm very excited. I love it. But anyway, uh, so let's uh let's do a little bit of housekeeping here first, and then we'll go get into the lost and the leftovers. Uh, so if you would like to email us with fee- any feedback or questions, our email is showhopperspodcast at gmail uh, and then we'll move on to getting lost in the leftovers, unless you have anything else to add. No, 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 let's hop right in. Okay. So getting lost in the leftovers this week, I want to talk about, uh, we want we want to kind of do some, a Venn diagram of Matt Jameson, Reverend Matt Jameson, and John Locke from Lost. So where where are their similarities? Where are their differences here? Uh, the most obvious being that, we're looking at two men of faith here, or at least yeah. seemingly they are men of faith. Yes, they believe things happen for a reason. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's not really many coincidences in life, yep. and they they're kind of they're kind of willing to look. In Matt's case, uh, a religious standpoint, guy or you know, uh, guide his life, and Locke's willing to let the island guide his life, but they're willing to look like a higher power. They believe, yes, entity to just willing to guide him. Yes. And they also, uh, you said that they believe in this higher power guiding them. They're also, they lean pretty heavily, both of them, into miracles and signs. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Matt uh, sees signs everywhere he looks in uh, Two Boats and a Helicopter, episode three of season one. Yes. Uh, he's the pigeons everywhere, right? Uh, and he, he's always thinking about these signs and, and everything and it's divine intervention. He goes to visit the little girl in the hospital and she's gotten better and gone home. And he thinks it's because a, a miracle happened because they prayed for her, but actually she was home before they prayed for her. Uh, John Locke. Meanwhile, the, the secret that he told Walt in episode two was that a miracle happened to him. Uh, right. And that he had gotten his legs back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and he is trying. He can, tries to convince Jack that maybe his hallucination is something he should follow. Maybe it's real. So they both are believe in this higher power. They both believe in miracles and signs. 
What else so, we? Uh, for difference or for similarity? Let, let's stick with similarities if we uh, can. Others. Hmm. Let me think here. They're both. Uh, they're both over twenty. Oh my That's god! Neither of them has ever been in my kitchen. Uh, <laughs> is that like a Jeopardy thing or something? Or what? Yeah, is that a, from uh, an episode of Cheers? Oh, Cheers! Okay, a long time ago. But uh, here's a big one that I think is, is going to be overlooked if I don't say something pretty quick. So, um, both of them were very sick or had very significant illnesses and have been healed. Really? What was um Matt? Was it him getting hit by the rock? No. Well, I guess so. That too. But uh, no, Matt had cancer. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah it's in his yes. Laura yeah. was born. He prayed uh, for some of that attention back, and he got cancer. And he wasn't sure if that was a reward or a punishment. Yeah, I remember. We talked about the monkey pot. Yes, I remember. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and meanwhile, Locks is obvious. He couldn't walk, and now he can. <laughs> so uh, both of them kind of can can see a miracle has happened to them yes okay all right any more similarities you want to talk about with these two hmm. Hmm. i'm trying to think I, I, I didn't i couldn't come up with too many more similarities although actually my differences are also they also could be similarities yeah they, they have <laughs> they're more similarities than differences so i can bring these up now matt we know has a tendency to piss people off. Oh, yes. <laughs> Certainly. Right. And so Locke, we have not seen that from Locke yet. So I put, I, I kind of put a question mark after I say pisses people off. Although uh, Michael doesn't seem to have much affection for him. People question, whenever he's not around, people question like uh, Claire and Charlie in the latest episode were like, oh, the guy that packs 40 knives. Jack, um, the same episode we... um. Uh, Locke showed it off his knives for the wild like boar hunt. Jack talked to Kate like a man that has that many knives, something's wrong with him, right? So yeah. no one to his face dislikes him really, but behind his back, I think certainly they they, they question him. They think he's kind of a weird guy. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. So I feel and, like, and now we we will talk about this on Thursday when we talk about Lost. Uh, the a question as to whether or not John Locke wants to lead because it seems like. He definitely wants the attention of a leader. I don't, I don't know that he necessarily wants to usurp the leader and become the leader, but he definitely wants the esteem of the leader. He he wants people to look at him that way. Yeah, I think uh, especially when you look when we saw his bottle episode, we he he cares a lot by the way people look at him. Yeah, and you know it bothers him if they don't think he can do something, and he you know gives his yeah. famous line and whatnot. So I, I do think it's a big deal to him how people look at him and he does want to be looked up to. And yeah, I, I agree. I don't think he cares to be leader per se. I don't think he'd be opposed to it either, but I don't think he cares to be leader. He just wants to be put in high regards. He wants people to be like, that's Dunlock. He can do anything. Yeah. And meanwhile, Matt, I think, feels a need to lead. Like He feels like he has to lead a flock, a, a, a congregation, a study group, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's a definite need there to feel like he's in a leadership position. Yeah, and I think that's part of his job is like a reference. You know, you're you're yep. you sit out in front, and you preach to people. The word, like literally, the word preach. You know, he's yep, not molding their minds, but he's he's trying to help guide them and help them. And he wants, yeah, I think that's part of his job and his character. Yeah, I think he does want to lead. I don't know if he actually. But the thing is, the difference is, I don't think 
Locke wants to leave, but he wants the the social status kind of right. But I think it's the reverse for um, Matt. Yes. He wants to leave, but he doesn't give a, he doesn't give two craps about the social status of it. In fact, he even lets himself get like beat up by people and whatnot just because he. He just wants to lead his people the way he feels fit, and he doesn't care about how other people look at him. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point. So, that I'm I'm pretty comfortable with what we've laid out here for uh, similarities and differences between Matt Jameson and John Locke. Anything else you want to add? Any other? I'm trying to see if I can think of any differences past that. Uh, I mean, just in terms of like their, uh, maybe like hobbies and like kind of their like personality survivability. Like I think when I think of John Locke. He literally, I think he could be a colonel, or <laughs> you know, the way he acts. Can't say the same for Matt. You know, a nice guy. Uh, we did see him beat up the one guy, but that's when he's pushed to the edge. Yeah. Like when, when here, when faced with, uh, when Matt loses his church, and he's really, he, you know, we don't see him explode about it. But when, um, Locke can't go on that walkabout, he explodes. That's and tells true. him you can't make me. So I, I think that's another thing about the personalities. Uh, Matt's probably more level-headed, maybe even more passive. Locke, you know, he wants to. I can do anything. He, yeah, he's much more invested. A lot more emotional. Yeah, that seems that seems like a good uh, good point as well. So I think that's about uh, that's about all I can think of. Can you think of anything else? No, that's that's what I had. So, but there are definitely a lot of similarities here. A lot of overlap between Matt and Locke, and as we'll talk about on Thursday when we get into. Uh, the Lost podcast, lots of overlap between Jack Shepard and Kevin Garvey as well. I actually, uh, let's talk about one more thing. Okay. And I guess, so Matt is a pretty good guy overall in terms of the thing. He, he tries to be a good person. The The one bad thing I can think he does is he uh, highlights the bad things some of the departed do have done. But otherwise, he's a pretty good guy. I think everyone could agree. Locke, on the other hand, he's a good guy, but there's these glimpses, right? We saw the uh, yeah. orange in the mouth, that, you know, the music around him, right? We we wonder, and I know you said earlier, you, your prediction is that he's the main antagonist. You think Locke is the antagonist. Now, so far, I that, that is certainly not the case. Right. But uh, I wonder how the transformation of the characters will be. I, I, now, I wonder if if a Matt, as the show goes on, loses like his faith or something, and he does turn that's, more like a rogue. That's a great point. I can't can with these two people. Like, can their faith be shaken? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it too strong to to shake? I mean, Matt's journey mirrors Job's so much. The the biblical character Job, uh, in that. Job, everything he it was a man of faith, and then everything was taken away from him, and he maintained his his faith. And Matt seems to at least want to be like that. And and up to this point, a lot of bad stuff has happened to Matt, and he hasn't lost his faith yet. So, can someone like that lose his faith? And then similarly with John Locke, can someone who has witnessed what he's witnessed, his inability to walk, and then suddenly he can walk, staring what we assumed was death in the face and surviving and finding it beautiful. Can someone like that have their faith shaken? It's interesting. Yeah, I, I think it definitely is. And okay. Well now I, that that's the last I could think of. Can, you have anything else? <laughs> no, I'm okay. good. I think we can call it a podcast. Longest podcast. <laughs> it's almost two hours. 
world oh, record God. for the show hoppers podcast uh, <laughs> excellent job yes okay well thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week yeah thank you very much